T-minus 10, 9, 8, 7, and we have main engine start, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1, and liftoff. DGB nominal, where the universe is a figment of its own imagination. All systems remain nominal, nominal, nominal. Hello everybody and welcome to TGP Nominal, your monthly look at all things science fact and science fiction. We're not talking space, we talk about everything and anything in the world of geekdom and um, I can't think of anybody better to be co-hosting with me right now when we talk about this kind of stuff, so I better bring him on. John Berger, are you there sir? What? What do you want, Mark? Oh, okay, be like that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know, it, it's a goofy voice, I guess. <laughs> Having to come up with a, trying to come up with a new one each each time is, yeah. <laughs> so, how's things with you? Oh, just splendiferous, I suppose. Good, good, good. Before we go on talking about what's going on out there I spoke to a guy called Dan White at the uh, Field of Force Day back in October um, and he's creating a very special publication Uh, it's a a comic book all about inclusion and diversity and all that kind of stuff and it's to try and make some superheroes that are not your average superheroes I suppose you can have similarities with these guys and the X-Men these are superheroes with disabilities. I know you've got people like Daredevil out there, but every one of these superheroes have a disability, and the group that they form are called the Department of Ability. And there's going to be a fantastic comic when it comes out. And what we decided we were going to try and do on TGP Nominal is from the grassroots of it all, uh, because we've been talking with Dan from right from the beginning, and it's evolving into something very, very special. So, um, yeah, I spoke with him yesterday to find out what is actually going on with uh, the Department of Ability at the moment. And uh, this is what he had to say. At the minute, we have just... I'm I'm talking to Strongbones, a charity that funded the comic. They've booked up the entire Hamley shop in London for a launch party for it. Mm -hmm. They've got some... Whoever is their um, donators they've got some serious money behind them for a young charity so they booked out the entire shop for a private party they're going to pack it full of much press and celebs as they can and that's what I was going to ask you if, if, if I give you the date do you want to come up yeah we'd, we'd, um, we'd love to I mean I'm, if, if, uh, Ad, if young Adri can't make it um, Alan definitely will be come along with us because I'll keep you in the loop on the date then yeah that'd be fantastic yeah they, they want to do a big launch there I'm just in the final stages of illustrating the last few pages, but even the last few pages are getting bigger because I'm trying to showcase as much disability superhero action as I can in it. Right. When I've finished it, I've literally got to word every text box because I still haven't found anyone to to literally word it. So I've got to go back and do it. My my bestest handwriting to text it. Then we go and find someone to colorize it because it's got to be colored. Mm-hmm. So I'm thinking about contacting universities and stuff like that, or even writing letters off to a several magazine company. So that when that's done, then I can go to print. Then I can hide myself in a dark room because I've, I've just got this feeling when everyone reads it, they're just going to rip it to pieces. But that's just me thinking that. But 
also at the same time I'm working with David Proud now and 104 Films who are actively trying to get the thing animated as a 10 minute short we've got the script yeah we've got the production company we're just looking for an animator when that's done then we can start jollying it around different networks and different companies and stuff like that saying what do you want done with it we can do this this has got this potential this merchandise potential it shows disability in a whole new light you've never seen anything like it so that would be the next step yeah, it's, it's just stuff like that all kicking off while I'm while I'm sat here drawing and, and, and networking and, and things like that. But we've got some great guest stars. I mean, uh, Aid Epitown has just agreed. Mm-hmm. We've got a, a wonderful, wonderful coup. We've got a Hollywood actor who's agreed to be in it, but I'm sworn to secrecy till it's published. But that was <laughs> that was a big coup. So I had to actually uh, call Hollywood to speak to him, <laughs> and he just said yes to everything there and there. Absolutely yes to it. I, I couldn't believe it. So I'm keeping that one on the back, but I've teased a few things, but I'm not going to say anything till it's done. So yeah, we've got him, we've got Aid, we've got Zoe Ball, of all people, agreed to be in. Hannah Cockcroft, as you know, is in it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Mick, yeah, Tanny Gray Thompson. So obviously, when it all goes to print again, all these people will be able to, if they can't be there, but they'll be able to self promote its, um, its want and its message as well. So it's all, it's all stuff bubbling around me, but. I'm just an eternal bag of nerves because nothing's actually happened, if you see what I mean. Yeah. But like, like, like David says, my creative part, it, it, it's all little rabbit steps. It's little steps at a time before we get to the big picture. But I think I'm just too impatient. <laughs> I, I know exactly what you mean. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm just too impatient. There's all this stuff going on. I'm like, well, can't I just say, yeah, we'll make it tomorrow and it'll be on telly on Thursday? <laughs> yeah. And then, then disability inclusion will just be done. That's it. And then be all great and lovely. So, no, it doesn't work like that. But yeah, so there's lots going on, but it's, it's all looks slowly bubbling away and will take its time to come to fruition. So there's, there's, there's lots going on. And, I, and, and I'm constantly finding new new um, followers and stuff like that every day. I mean, Jonathan Ross finally tagged on to what we were doing, which is nice. and sent a, sent a nice personal message over, over Twitter and stuff. There's all good stuff, and I'm still networking and tweeting and promoting as much as I can. So I do, like, like you probably do with this Yuri thing, you sort of eat, sleep and breathe at 24-7, don't you? Yeah. It's pretty much. Done. Pretty much. But yeah, that's, that's more or less where we stand at the minute. I mean, as, as I said, I mean, we, we want to uh, try and keep with you all the way through and, and just see it evolve, really. That's great, because uh, you were there at the start. That's why I'd very much like you to come up when it happens. I really would. Because as soon as I heard about what you were trying to do, um, and I found out that you were going to be at uh, Field of Force Day, I just had to um, make my presence known, really. <laughs> I'm glad you did. I'm, I'm really glad you did, because it's always nice to meet with like the same like-minded people anyway. It's, it's an absolute pleasure to meet people who, who, who are trying to strive to do things like yourself the garbage pod and TGP nominal so as far as I'm concerned it was a very welcome opportunity so as, as you said there's a lot of people involved in, in this project um, a lot of those names you probably wouldn't have known a lot of them are well known over here you've got uh, Hannah Cockcroft she's a, a Paralympian gold medalist Tammy Gray she's a, a Paralympian gold medalist and Adi Adapitan uh, used to be the captain of the Great British Paralympic basketball team so these are going to be characters that are going to be featuring in the comic. Now, Zoe Ball, she's a television and radio presenter, um, and she's also the daughter of Johnny Ball, who is like our Bill Nye. (laughs) (laughs) And she's also married to Fatboy Slim. Okay, now that name I do know. (laughs) But it's quite interesting um, to find who this Hollywood star is going to be. I'm curious. 
Uh, so yeah, I mean, he, he said he said to me the other day. He said, "Oh, I'm, I'm staying up late tonight." I said, "Why? What have you got going on?" He said, "I've got to make a phone call to Hollywood." So I was like, "Really?" So nice. yeah, it's going to be great. Uh, all these different people uh, involved in it. He's 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 getting in touch with as many disabled people as possible to feature in the comic and to promote the comic. And one of them, uh, he's trying desperately to uh, get reply back from is Stephen Hawking. Ooh. Well, now. So that could be interesting if, if he features in the comic. The more things that happen with this comic, the more we're going to cover it. And uh, hopefully we can use it as a springboard to, to promote them from. Sounds good. Try turning him off and on again. I'm sure they have tried everything to revive him. Oh, thank the maker. Artu, we thought you were done for. A dramatic entrance. We don't have time for that. We are trying to find Master Luke. She is strong with the Force. Untrained, but stronger than she knows. Bring me the precious. Yes, Supreme Leader. You are talking about the girl, correct? Precious! This was the Death Star. This was the second one. And this is Starkiller Base. Can we just call it Death Star 3? It's the same exact thing, just bigger. I mean, seriously. Shut the shields down, or I'll blow that bucket off your head. Oh, did you say shut down the shields? I thought you said alert everyone to your presence. Chewie, we're screwed. Let's play a game. On a count of three, name your favorite creature. Don't even think about it. Just name it. Ready? Okay. One, two, three. Rancor. Hottest clothing in the galaxy. Slay Slay a costume. If you were a chick, who's the one guy in the whole galaxy you'd sleep with? Lando Calrissian. What? Did we just become best friends? Yep. Did we forget we're being shot at? Yep. Guardians of the Galaxy 2 has started production. There's some speculation, too, as to what kind of music he's going to be playing this time around. Oh, for the mixtape, yeah. <laughs> yeah, because the, the logo they're saying feels kind of 80s. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so now there's speculation, ooh, is the music going to be more, is, is it going to be more toward the 80s, which could be very cool. I can see there being a lot of hair rock, you know, poodle hair rock is going to be in uh, <laughs> a lot of that in there. Bit of Van Halen, I can see Van Halen being on there. Oh, there you go. <laughs> Definitely. But otherwise, yeah, I mean, really, the focus has been Star Wars, Deadpool. Not too much. I haven't really been reading a lot about the upcoming Star Trek movie. No, it's it's all gone a bit dead ever since the that uh, bizarre trailer came out for it. Oh, God, that trailer. When even Simon Pegg is saying, what? And he's writing the movie. Yeah. <laughs> when even he's saying, yeah, that's just weird. Nothing to do with me. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess Batman v Superman's the next big one coming out. Yeah. Well, oh, the upcoming uh, Captain America Civil War. That's going to be good. Yeah. Cameo with Spidey in there. That'll be great. Yes. 
<laughs> curious to see how that's going to work out. Because uh, I think Spidey's probably one of my favourites, mainly because a lot of the other ones, uh, mainly in the DC side of it, uh, all come from made-up places, whereas Spider-Man was from New York, so it was, for me, it, it more real in that respect. True, true. And in the comic books, he, he kind of broke the fourth, uh, fourth wall a lot. He, he talked to the, the camera as it was, and he kind of did in some of the cartoon series as well. He kind of did that, as, especially the ones with... Um, oh, what was the one I used to watch as a kid? It was the one with um, Firestar and um, an Iceman. Don't oh, know. Man, I can't remember what it was called now, but the, he, he used to do that a lot on there. There's a lot of humour in that one as well. Very sarcastic was uh, Peter Parker in, in, in that one. Well, I'm eager to see how they handle this now. Yeah, they've got to make this work now because, I mean, they fought so hard to obtain the rights to, to make the movies for themselves and for, uh, for Sony as well. So they've got to make it work after all this. <laughs> well, I mean... From what I understand, they have the license in perpetuity as long as they keep making movies. Yeah. Doesn't mean they have to be good. <laughs> yeah, but... That's, that's really the issue. But, yeah, it's, it's, so it's... They, they, they can just keep doing it. In fact, that's one of the reasons why they think Fantastic Four was rushed the way it did, because they were risking losing the license. Mm-hmm. So, I mean... Whether or not that's true, I don't know, but... Clearly, Deadpool has sealed the X-Men franchise for them for a long time. Yeah. Although, in fairness, Days of Future Past, that was a good movie. I really enjoyed that one. I, I, I kind of like that one. I'm, I'm not the biggest X-Men fan, but I did like that. <laughs> well, yeah. the, the first two X-Men movies were good. The next two X-Men movies, well... <laughs> yeah. Don't know about that. It just makes what you know one movie to come out that really ticks all the boxes. It sounds like they've they've really done that with Deadpool. Oh, they did. They did. Well, they 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 did it with um, Guardians of the Galaxy as well. That was just mm -hmm. an amazing with, with so many different um, homages to different things in there as well with, when we, with the business with the collector with you know how would the duck be in one of the yep. <laughs> one of his exhibits. <laughs> Oh, and, and Deadpool not only has one, but two codas at the end after the credits. Uh -huh. you got to stay to watch them. Because I guarantee you... Well, the, the, the first one was always there. The second one they kind of got in just before the movie came out. Mm -hmm. And they explain who he's going to be dealing with in the next one. All right. What that section parodies is hysterical. If, if you are like you know, like you and I, we were teenagers back in the 80s, mm -hmm. so that's kind of our decade, he references that, and you'll know exactly what he's referencing when you see it. <laughs> it's hysterical. I'm there laughing my head off, and my daughter's just like, okay, that's funny, I don't get it. So yes, because you haven't seen that movie yet. You weren't there. <laughs> you weren't there. It's, it's, it's a, definitely stay for the credits. I do like that when things are kind of parodied a little bit in in things. Well, this was no little bit. He flat out parodied this whole thing, and you'll see what I mean when you when you see <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Even some of the lines were direct from a particular '80s movie. Yeah. Trust me. Stay. <laughs> <laughs> I do Definitely like it when they do that too, because too many people walk out before the end of the movie. Oh, I no. I love sitting. I will watch the credits. I will watch the credits, especially in Star Wars. Mm -hmm. It's just interesting to see who's there from the originals and who's not. I don't, I don't mean in the cast. I just mean people, the, the backroom people. Uh -huh. 
and seeing who's there still. And uh, as it was quite funny because, um, as I said to you, I was there with my friend and his his eleven year old son, and uh, and he's like. Uh, why, why is Uncle Mark reading all this writing on the screen? And he's like, you let, you'll have to learn the ways because th- this is a true Star Wars fan here. Yep. <laughs> well, I will, just because, unless I'm going to see it myself, I will check to see if people say if there's something after the credits or not. Because if, if i got my kids with me and there's nothing there, I don't want to necessarily wait around. Mm-hmm. But I knew going into Deadpool that there was not only one, but two. I was like, okay, got to see. And then all these, you're right, like half the theater was leaving. It was like, no, no, you don't understand. You've got to stay for this. And then I saw it. I was like, oh, you fools. And I, I love it when it, it does it halfway through the credits when they're all queuing, uh, starting to move. And then you <laughs> see them all standing in the aisle watching the screen because something else has come up. Yep. <laughs> So yes, a- absolutely. Like I said, the only, I think the only kind of people who would not like Deadpool are those who don't like raunchy humor because mm-hmm. there's a lot of it. But otherwise, if you can sit through the Red Band trailer, you can sit through the movie. I, I found some of that in the in the the Red Band trailer it was, it was funny anyway. I mean. Mm-hmm. I mean, you got all the bits and pieces where he's saying, you know, well, did I leave the iron on or whatever it was, yeah. and that kind of stuff. It's still funny. <laughs> Even though we've seen it, it's still funny when it comes up. But, yeah, it's it's an interesting time to be a comic book fan, I think, because there's such a lot going on at the minute in the movie scenes. And, and there was a time when they used to bring out stuff from the comic books into the screen, and it just didn't work. Oh, no, 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 no. I mean, do you remember that t- the TV series version of Spider-Man? Yeah. It wasn't the best. No, no. <laughs> Well, neither was the Incredible Hulk, but you know, I, I kind of liked that though. I don't no, know. I know, but you know, consider well, that was in like late seventies. Yep, yep. And Spider Man wasn't that like early eighties. Yeah. So well, that also got affected, you know, just because well, it was the eighties. <laughs> I, I, I don't know where my dad got it from, but he got me this poster of uh, Bruce Banner changing into the Hulk. So it's like it's, it's almost you know like those pictures that you get of the moon in its different stages all going mm-hmm. across. It was like that, but with like five or six different heads of Bruce Banner changing. Nice and. It used to freak me out as a kid. It was on my wall, but it used to freak me out because the bit when his eyes turned white, I couldn't look at that. And, and of course, when, when you got the lights off at night and you get, like, the, the moon or street lights reflecting nice. through the window, you can just see the whites of his eyes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I could see that freaking you out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, they, they still have to be careful, though, because there's still very much a risk that there's going to be superhero burnout. Uh, considering you know, how many movies there are within the next, yes, what, six years, seven years, whatever yep. it is. And that's another reason why I think so many people loved Deadpool. It was the right kind of movie at the right time. Mm-hmm. You know, when we're in this heavy superhero movie stretch and now suddenly here comes something that's just completely irreverent makes fun of the whole genre it just it was the right time but now we're going to go back granted Deadpool 2 is already on its way but now we're going to be going back to the superhero movies 
and there's there, there's still a risk of burnout, so they got to be careful. Yeah, there is that, but I, I think that the uh, the Civil War will be um, will be different to anything that you've seen in the, that Marvel universe. Well, there's there's one particular rumor there. If you're a fan of the Captain America comics, it won't be a surprise at all. But if you're not familiar with the comics, something that could happen to a character might be disconcerting. I'll leave it at that. But yeah. again, that that's all rumor. Yeah. Until it's actually up on the screen, we're not going to know. I think it's going to be difficult for some people because, it, you know, it's, it's people that were teammates and now against each other and things and you're thinking yeah this is getting a bit heavy well uh, even in the trailer when Robert Downey's you know he says he's my friend and Robert Downey says you used to be mine or something to that effect you can see the pain in his eyes mm-hmm. you know as much as those two fought verbally with each other you could tell that he's just like uh, you, you're, you're turning on me oh I think this movie's going to have a lot of emotional impact. And I can understand why it's going to be in two parts. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's no way they could have done this in one. Well, really, when you think about it, let's see, there's going to be Captain America. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to remember how that's going to progress because it's going to kind of cross storylines. Because there's so many different storylines it will cross, and then you, you know that these different storylines that they're going to cross, they're, they're looking for uh, other spin-offs that they can do from it. Yeah. Because that's what what uh, this whole extended universe is all about. I'm just I'm just trying to remember. Is it they start off the war with this Captain America, and does it conclude with the next Avengers? I think. I think you might be right. Can't Eric. remember. Yeah, I think you might be right. Because from that timeline, from that storyline, I mean, you get the characters like, I mean, I know he wasn't a very big character. I mean, Captain Britain wasn't a, a massive character, but sure. he is part of that timeline. Well, it depends which one, because there was two of them. One was the son of the other. <laughs> the Captain Britain character actually comes from World War Two as well. And that's where the Captain America crossover comes in. Uh, and then there's a lot more characters that spin off from there also. Uh, and after a while, it gets very confusing. I could talk to... Um, and you know I'm involved with this uh, comic shop, uh, Dead Universe Comics. I, I talk about them mm-hmm. a bit. The guy who runs that store, Ian, wow. What he doesn't know <laughs> about any comic book franchise isn't worth knowing to be honest you you can tell by the way he talks that he's got so much passion about what he's talking about and uh it's it's good to see and and as we mentioned in a previous show he won a couple of awards for his store that is the reason why (laughs) yeah to, to listen to him talking about the different characters and he can tell you about all the different crossovers and I'm thinking, how do you remember this stuff? <laughs> Deadpool. Did you see it yet? I haven't actually. Yeah, I haven't. Oh, I haven't had time to see so it. Oh, good. Uh, but I have seen um, so many people talking about it. It's so good. There's, there's not so much of the oh, we can't talk about it like there was with Star Wars. I mean, there are no real big, super huge reveals in it either. That, that's, that's, that's probably that's true. Thing. Yeah. You know, Star Wars, obviously. You know a ton of stuff especially about that one particular main character and his fate to it uh yeah but I, I know we're two poor, months poor Jar Jar. We're, we're really out of spoiler zone <laughs> if you haven't seen it by now it's your own damn fault mm-hmm. 
but still, I know people who, because of health issues, can't get out to theaters and, and stuff like that. So I'm trying to be somewhat more sympathetic to them. Deadpool. God, where do I even start on that one? <laughs> um, I mean, it, as crazy as it sounds, you know, yes, it has an R rating, and there are very good reasons why it has an R rating. Lots of F-bombs, lots of uh, not just sexual innuendo, but sex. Okay. Marina Baccarin is goes completely topless, and they get end up in a... Uh, a strippers club at one point in the movie so yeah there are reasons why it's R-rated the humor the language all of that the gore you know I don't really like to use the word gore nothing to do with politics but <laughs> I don't like to use that word either I don't um, like to use that particular type, type of gore either um, <laughs> but when I hear gore I think of movies like Saw you know ones where they're, they're or anything like by Rob Zombie mm -hmm. where they're just showing like body parts all over and flesh is ripped open and blah, blah. To me, that's gore. Deadpool, okay, yeah, you, you saw some brain matter, like, but it's nothing... If you've seen the Red Band trailer... Yeah, I've seen... be fine. Yeah. Because really, the really grossest part is the shot in the Red Band trailer where he hits three guys through the head with one bullet. Uh-huh. And then you can see that there's a... And you can see some... Straight through. <laughs> yeah. Um. That, that's really <laughs> about as bad as the innards get. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's one scene where he has a guy impaled with both of his swords up, and, and he's holding the guy up with his swords. Okay. And, you know, to their credit, it's not like they have blood gushing all over the... In fact, you'd be surprised if you see any blood of that kind. You know, because that guy wasn't like dripping all over Deadpool's hands or anything. He was just up there. And what scenes did have any kind of quick brain matter or whatever, it was like, okay, here's the scene. And a second later, they're off to a different scene. So they didn't dwell on it. Mm -hmm. So in, in that regard, yeah, it was kind of nasty, but it wasn't anything like what I would consider to be gore. But I mean, the humor. Oh my God, that is. This is one of the funniest movies ever. That, that's not. The, I'm not going to say that it's going to rank up there with classics like Airplane, or stuff like that. But I mean, when he really got the things going, the lines were just coming out like crazy. How much of that do you think was actually scripted, or how much do you think that was just Ryan Reynolds? Oh man, <laughs> that's actually a good question because he's been fighting for this role for 10 years and if you've ever seen like I just saw one interview today where he interviews Hugh Jackman <laughs> regarding, regarding Hugh Jackman's new movie oh and it's it's just hysterical the two of them are feeding off of each other the, the lines going back and forth and it's fantastic and he is a really really funny guy I wouldn't be surprised if a lot of it was off the cuff I, I get that impression because he's one of these guys that can do that he's mm -hmm. very quick witted I don't think there's anything that phases him really <laughs> now what makes it a good movie even beyond all of that is it might sound crazy but it really is a love story because it explains how he became Deadpool mm -hmm. and how that all goes back to the woman that he loves you know he, he got that treatment to get rid of his cancer because he didn't want to put her through any more pain and they had enough scenes that were just you know pure heart to them how he, he's trying to show his love for her and all of that and just when that starts to get a little bit on the uh, you know annoying side boom they cut to more action because it's like up to a certain point it's all flashback yeah. and then at one point it finally goes from that point forward but it's like they knew just when to go do the do the flashback they knew when to stop it and bring it more current 
and it was just really really well done all the way around and it, it's a it's a good movie and it's doing extremely well in the box office oh it's doing very well well the funny part is Fox even with the the fan going or the fan base going nuts when that uh, test footage was released mm-hmm. they still were kind of like well you know we don't know how well this is going to go and I think the final anticipated budget was about 58 million dollars and it crossed 150 million dollars just in the states and I think it crossed 280 million dollars globally so just on its first weekend it made five to six times what it was made for so yeah this this is a hit and I, I haven't seen a bad thing said, said about it yet if you don't like raunchy comedy it probably isn't going to be for you mm-hmm. but the but kind of people that are going to be watching it kind of expect what they're going to be seeing in that score anyway like i said the gore pretty much or you know the, that that kind of uh, material shall we say if you saw if you saw the red band trail you're good because that's about the the, ex, the most extreme part that there is it was really cool the way that they actually brought in a couple of the other x-men you know with colossus mm-hmm. and uh, negasonic teenage warhead which she, her role was great <laughs> those those guys she was clearly a teenager and she's just like yeah whatever and colossus is there you know we are going to make you an x-men yet and he's trying to be the righteous guy and so forth against deadpool's character <laughs> just the way they played off of that was really good and i will admit i took my oldest daughter to see it and she's 15 mm-hmm. and she loved it too but it was funny watching her squirm in her seat when the uh, like the, the sex scenes came on <laughs> uh, just like, oh, uh, God, come on. It's just awkward that you're with Dad. <laughs> that's, that's what that is. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, it's just... I, I, I loved it. I'd easily go see it again. I'd very much... I'd, I'd like to go see it again. But, yeah, when I get to five minutes, I will uh, traipse over to the to the cinema and uh, and watch it, because um, I, I definitely do want to see it, because well, he, he is, he's a, he's a breath of fresh air, Deadpool is a breath mm-hmm. of fresh air, because it's for the, the people that don't like the squeaky clean st- you know, the standard stereotypical superhero Yeah, I mean, already there there's a, a big concern going on that Hollywood is now going to say, oh, well, we should make more R-rated superhero movies, and just a few hours ago, they came out and said, yeah, Wolverine 3, we're going to try to push for an R rating. And she's like, no. no well, I guess Wolverine, you can kind of see why. Like, Wolverine and Punisher, you can get why those would be more suited for R. Punisher, still, yeah. yeah. It still just kind of feels like, oh, well, look at how well Deadpool did by getting an R rating, so we're going to make Wolverine R. It's like, no, that that's that's not why Deadpool was a good movie. You know, it wasn't the fact that it had the R rating that somehow makes it, oh, wow, let's go see this. And it's they stayed true to the material and the material was worthy of an R rating you know with all the F-bombs and, and all of that but it, just because it had an R rating doesn't mean it was successful that you know that's not the reason why it was successful and unfortunately it looks like Hollywood's already trying to get an attitude of oh well let's try to go for more superhero R rated movies no you're, you're missing the point so I mean because Guardians of the Galaxy was a lot like Deadpool I uh, think about it yeah the humor is very similar well that's the humor, the fact that it was a definitely not a primary character in that in the Marvel universe. No, that, sure. That was kind of new, and he's kind of just like off there on the fringe. He's only recently become really mainstream. Mm. And how many people knew even really knew of Guardians of the Galaxy before the movie? Um, not a lot. 
Right. So, but that was a, that was PG thirteen, mm-hmm. and that did really, really. And again, it comes down to the movie, the story, the characters, all of that. That's what makes a movie. And it's just kind of worrying that Hollywood's not going to start to say, "Oh, let's just go for R ratings." No, it's not that simple, guys. The only thing that I can see really turning somebody off to that is just. There's a lot of toilet humor in it. <laughs> in this country, that's not a problem. <laughs> Point. <laughs> <laughs> we, we, most most of our comedy is based around that. <laughs> no, it, it's real. Definitely go see it. I don't know if you've uh, seen these, John, but there's a company out there called Hexter, H-E-X-D-E-R, and they make clothing, and they've made leather jackets, they've They've made the Finn one, or the Finn Podamron one, <laughs> and the new Han Solo leather jacket. Oh, God, they have one for Deadpool, too. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, that's all they do, is just movie and TV and so forth. Wow. And they're not badly priced. For, well, not for leather, anyway. Free shipping in the USA and UK. Yeah, that's what I was looking at, because that's the bit that normally kills me. If that's real leather, those are really good prices. Yeah. Especially when they know that they're going to be tapping into a fan base. Because I kind of like that fin jacket. That is nice. That's what's 100 and, 180 bucks, isn't it? It's, yep. Mm-hmm. That's not bad. So. Ooh, they take PayPal. Look out. That's what I was looking at, too. <laughs> 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 We're pod people. <laughs> oh, my like, God. Pink ladies jacket from Greece, too? You're uh, kidding me. <laughs> <laughs> they seem to have it all, don't they? And it looks really good quality stuff as well. Oh, I've got a long-time listener of my widescreen podcast who would love the Superman leather jacket. Oh, it's the Batman v Superman leather jacket. It's got the logo on the front. Ooh. It's kind of subtle because it's not, like, really standing out. They, they finally put out the final trailer for that movie. Yeah. Have you seen that one? Uh, I was... Oh, I want to see this so... If I, I want to see it if only to explain that last scene. I mean, there was people talking about, you know, if, if it came to it, at the end of the day, Superman would have it in the bag. And, and I saw if you've seen this trailer... Oh, you wouldn't think that. <laughs> no, no. I mean, not that there's, not that it's a spoiler or anything, but for anyone who hasn't seen it, you know, the, obviously Batman and Superman are fighting, Wonder Woman shows up and so forth, but then Superman goes to punch Batman, Batman successfully blocks it and holds his arm in place. I saw that scene, it's like, what? Has he got a, I, a kryptonite suit? That's what I'm guessing, yeah. <laughs> That's what I'm guessing, but yeah, because another friend of mine was just like, yeah, Superman could just waste him with his lasers from, you know, a mile away, and that might be true, and he could just, you would think he could just, like, shatter his spinal column with one punch, but then you look at this scene, it's like, he's vulnerable. I I just want that one scene answered at this point. I want to see the movie anyway. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's it's starting. As I say, at the beginning, I was very, very skeptical. Yeah, but as here. these trailers have gone on, I'm like, okay, this is getting very interesting now. Every everyone, they're, they're doing a lot of rehashing, but then they'll throw in that one scene that just makes it all like, I want an answer to that. Like like the previous one, all of a sudden Wonder Woman shows up, 
And Superman's like, is she with you? And Batman's like, I thought she was with you. <laughs> so she just kind of showed up out of nowhere. It's like, oh, okay, I need the answer to that one. And now this one where he blocks the punch, I really want to see this. Yeah, it is uh, it is getting better all the time. Uh, I just just really hope that it's going to tie up a lot of um, a lot of loose ends from the previous movie. And um, I, I will confess, I have not been able to see it. I just, I don't know. It's just so dark. I expect that with Batman. He's the Dark Knight. Mm-hmm. Superman, I don't know, it just seems so bleak. And I'm, I'm sorry, I'm still major fan of the original with Christopher Reeve. Once again, the, the squeaky clean... <laughs> <laughs> superhero stereotype. True. Yeah. But um, but yeah. I mean, if you're going to include Batman in anything, it's got to be dark. I mean, he is twisted. I mean, anything. Anybody who's gone through what he's been through, it's going to do something to you. Your psyche is not great. <laughs> yeah. It's, well, especially like they had in the trailer where he's watching. You know, Wayne Industries, the building is just collapsing. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I get that. Everything that he's worked towards is just falling apart around him, and he's like, you know, he's bitter, he's twisted, and he wants payback. It's cool that they're trying to come up with their own cinematic universe as well, and they've certainly got enough material to pull from, but I'm wondering about the Suicide Squad movie. I don't know, I'm not feeling it. I've not seen enough of it to really work it out, really. It's... I mean, I've seen a little bit of it now. I mean, Will Smith has been over here, uh, and I thought he was going to talk about it, and, and he hasn't said anything about it at all. All he's talking about at the moment is the, the other movie he's in at the moment, that um, concussion yeah, yeah. movie. Um, and that's obviously that is his latest project, so he wants to mm-hmm. promote that as much as possible. Which is um, understandable. But, yeah, he, he hasn't said a thing about Suicide Squad at all. Well, who knows how much Warner has been telling him, don't talk about it. Yeah, that's true. I mean, Harley Quinn looks like she's going to be funny. Yeah. The latest the latest trailer, you know, she smashes a jewelry store window and starts taking stuff. And one of the other guys is like, really? And she's like, we're bad guys. This is what we do. It's like, okay, that was funny. <laughs> that, 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 is, was a, that was a good part. That's Harley Quinn, definitely. Harley yeah, that's Harley Quinn. <laughs> but, you know, and even Will Smith's character is like, oh, he's like, all right, let's do this. You know, he, he knows that this is something that they've got to do. Mm-hmm. Just the movie as a whole, though, I don't. No, I'm. It's, I'm still just not feeling it. It's. I mean, all of these things have got to come together, haven't they? So it's obviously with the the, the Batman Superman one being very dark. This one's got to be mm-hmm. very dark as well. Does this mean that when they start doing the the Justice League stuff, that it's going to be very dark as well? I don't know. I guess it depends on how they keep the characters, because obviously the Justice League cartoon wasn't dark. No, that's for sure. You know, and and the Wonder Woman movie looks like it's not... That's meant to be a period piece. Yeah, well... So that's not really meant to be dark either. Was it set in First World War or something? Yeah. Yeah, So, so. you know, uh, I don't know. So, I mean, the Wonder Woman side of things is going to be very similar to the Captain America thing, but obviously Captain America was Second World War, but it's going to be a similar kind of setup, I think. I think uh, so. So uh, the thing I'm worried about now is people are going to be going, well, you know, DC is just trying to rip off the Marvel thing, and you know, it's like, uh, I don't know. That's probably why they're making it dark, because Marvel, the Avengers, and all that is is not dark. It's, I mean, it's 
there it has its dark moments but it's still very um in places comedic and uh, and quite light in comparison well- yeah, that, uh, this, now this is a rumor. Obviously, Warner is not going to be official with any of it. Like some of the people who are involved in Warner have said that one of the reasons, supposedly, why they've decided to go dark is obviously the success of the Christopher Nolan Batman trilogy. But then they tried to go more lighthearted with Green Lantern, and that just fell flat. So supposedly, some of the higher ups took it as well. Obviously, humor isn't the way to go for these things. Now, again, that's rumor. You know, mm-hmm. Green Lantern had a lot more problem than the humor. I thought the humor was fine. In fact, I thought the, the movie itself, as a popcorn flick, just sit there, enjoy the movie, munch your popcorn. It did its job. Mm-hmm. It had a lot of flaws to it. But supposedly, that's some of the ways that the higher-ups were thinking that we tried to go humorous, we tried to go lighthearted, and it failed. So let's stay with Dark, because look at the Christopher Nolan trilogy. So who knows? You know, they, they, after there was a... After people got wind of that, there was something like a a Warner Brothers no humor hashtag going on. People saying, no, 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 don't do that. We want some lightheartedness. And Warner Brothers came out with a statement later saying that humor is important to our movies, blah, 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 blah. So it's it's hard to tell how lighthearted and dark visually and so forth it's going to be. And then, of course, there were criticisms about, like, well, uh, the Superman movie. The one guy came out with the whole thing saying, what if Superman was actually in color? Because it was so dark, it was so gray. Mm -hmm. The colors were muted and faded. So, I don't know. I mean, clearly I think the fan base have said, we want something more like Marvel. Don't know how Warner Brothers is going to respond to it, though. The thing is, when you look at any of the comic books, whether it's Marvel or DC, there is always a certain amount of humor there. I mean, it's very. There's a lot of tongue-in-cheek stuff there. Sure, and that's what draws in the reader, I think, um, because you can relate to it a bit more. Because I think everybody uses humour as a kind of a defence mechanism, and that comes across in the comic books. And they need to try and get that to come out of the screen at, at you. It needs to be there. Well, I mean, the X Men movies, same way. Mm-hmm. They've got some really funny bits in there. Yeah. You know, Deadpool. Well, I mean, well, Deadpool is in its own league. <laughs> oh, I can. I'm. Um, I'm looking forward to uh, some of the conventions this year because there's <laughs> going to be so many Deadpool's all o- all over the place. I think. And there's some out there. They know the lore, and they are funny. There's a guy on YouTube, and I have to find out what his name is. He's done a couple of um, uh, pop videos, but as Deadpool. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's done his own version of Blurred Lines, which is quite amusing. <laughs> and um, there's another convention, uh, different characters from, from the different comic books, doing Taylor Swift, which was quite funny as well. <laughs> but there's there's a bit with um, Deadpool and, and Logan together in, in one of the videos. <laughs> and it is funny. <laughs> Because Hugh Jackman has a new movie out. I can't remember the name of it. But he, he's being a coach to somebody who's trying to do, like, a ski jumping. Oh, yeah, it's uh, Eddie the Eagle. Eddie the Eagle. Ryan Reynolds crashed the, the uh, one publicity thing for it, and he decided to do some interviewing, and it's just hysterical because the two of them are feeding off of each other the whole time. And, of course, he's making lots of barbs at X-Men Origins Wolverine. 
where, you know, Deadpool was there, but he had his mouth sewed shut and stuff like that. Yeah, it wasn't the... the no, it wasn't it, right. It wasn't the Deadpool we no. know. And those two are just going back and forth on this, and it's hysterical to watch. Talking of which, we were talking about the guy the guy who's playing uh, Eddie the Eagle Edwards in, in the movie. Uh, he's also the same guy who was in Kingsman, the, the young lad that was in Kingsman. Mm. And he is in the short running to play the young Han Solo. Wow. That's going to be a tough role. I, I honestly, I kind of feel badly for whoever gets that role because they're going to have a lot of scrutiny thrown at them. Yeah, it's not going to be easy. That, no, that is not going to be an easy role to do. Because that uh, could either make you or break you, I think. <laughs> well, I don't even know so much that, but it could earn either a lot of praise or a lot of ire from the from the Star Wars fan base. Mm-hmm. I mean, honestly, I don't know that I'd want to try out for that role. But uh, yeah, so he's he's one of the uh, on the short list. Hmm. Once again, an English guy <laughs> who's going to have to put on an American accent. Um, <laughs> Yeah, see, you go to all the Star Wars convention. My thing was always Star Trek. Actually, there's a big one of those coming up. In... Oh, there's a, a couple of big... Well, this is its 50th year. 50th year. Feel old yet? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's a, there's one in New York and there's one in Las Vegas. But, I mean, they'd have one just about every year in the town where I grew up. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I've, I have autographed pictures of, of Scotty, um, Sulu, Chekhov, Troy. So I, every time there was one in town, I was like, oh, yeah, I'm there. <laughs> My best moment, though, was I actually got to spend some time with DeForest Kelly, which was awesome. Just me. I got to meet him backstage at the one show. All right. Because at the time, my, my one friend's uncle was in charge of security. But the guys who ran all the conventions lived a block away from me. So I pretty much knew everybody who was involved. And he, you know, since the, the guy was in charge of security and, and, you know, he and I had knew, known each other anyway, he was like, yeah, I can, I'll let you back in for a little bit. Well, a little bit. He let me in like 15 minutes before DeForest Kelly went out. And so I was just chatting with him and his wife. And then he went out on stage. I stayed offside. And, you know, his wife and I were there watching from the sides. And he came back over, and the three of us were chatting again for about 15 minutes. Just the three of us. It was just, it's, um, it was amazing. Absolutely amazing. So, I mean, yeah, not even the guy who was in charge of the show was there. It was just the three of us hanging out talking. How do you top that? Yeah, it's Especially because, you know, he didn't give autographs or anything, really. You know, he did it on occasion, but... And there we are, and just we're just talking. Oh yeah, you know, we we come to Pennsylvania a lot. We actually have a summer home down in in Hazleton, and which was not too far from where I grew up. And so it's just like this is. I'm just I'm talking with before, and he and I shared the same birthday too. <laughs> so it's like that was just the moment for me. There's no way I could top that. I did also get an autograph with Patrick Stewart too. So yeah, Star Trek was my thing. But if they had Star Wars conventions, I probably would have gone to those too. The convention scene is a funny thing. <laughs> Obviously, I've seen it from both sides because, obviously, I've been there as a general public, but also been at them covering the event for the podcast and actually working alongside the team that organised the events. So um, you see things from both sides, and it's it's the most surreal thing you can ever do is, is get involved with a convention. Yeah. At the same time, it's memories that you'll possibly never forget. Mm-hmm. Alex 
Taylor Shearer here at the Space Centre in Leicester, and I'm joined by Alan Gray and Mark Taylor. Guys, thanks for joining us. Uh, why are we here? We're here to check out the venue for um, an event called Yuri's Night, which we're going to hold in the UK. Um, and Yuri's Night is a celebration of the first man in space, Yuri Gagarin. And also, it just happens to coincide, um, I think it was 20 years later, yeah, uh, the anniversary of the, the first US um, shuttle flight, STS-1. So, why are we celebrating this? Well, it was a dream, actually, of the founders of Yuri's Night, Loretta and George Whiteside, who came up with an idea, wouldn't it be great to have a celebration that the whole world could celebrate every year at the same time? And not only that, that in the future, possibly, that people that live off-world will be able to celebrate at the same time as people on Earth um, to mark the, the achievements of human spaceflight. Why the Space Centre in Leicester? Well, it's one of the fundamental um, space education facilities in the UK and it's such a remarkable facility because there's, there's such a lot here and the whole essence of what we're trying to promote is all in one building yeah got that spacey atmosphere which really helps for an event like this that's right I think it's probably the nearest we can get to one of the big events that are in America the most prominent one is the one that Loretta organises in um, Los in Los Angeles but there are uh, some big ones at uh, NASA facilities out, out in the States in Russia also there's some big uh, events although they don't call it Yuri's Night in Russia they call it Cosmonautics Day and uh, it's, it's still the same principle behind it obviously Yuri Gagarin is the national hero when it comes to yeah. to spaceflight in, in Russia yeah. What are you hoping to achieve with Yuri's Night, and when is it? It's going to be the 9th of April, 2016. We're going to get some guest speakers in, uh, there's going to be some live music, there's going to be uh, a DJ, there's going to be bars there, there's going to be interactive things that the guests can uh, have a look at. We're going to have stands there from different people that are involved in the space industry uh, so that um, attendees can actually have a look at that and uh, find out more about what's going on out there. We're also going to try and have some uh, space ambassadors, so somebody who stands out maybe wearing something um, specific who may be from the space industry who anybody can go and talk to at any point and just ask them questions about, about space. Somebody they may, they may not usually get to interact with. You're really looking for a party that's going to be educational, informative and a celebration of that massive achievement of the first man in space. Exactly. That's yeah. correct, yeah. You were mentioning, Alan, about the moon bounce. Yes, it's not confirmed yet. Um, there's, a, there's a lot to do, but we're hoping to launch a challenge for school children so that they can um, try and decode some messages that have been sent to the moon and back. We'll see how that goes. We're trying our best. You want to make it more interactive? Yeah, um, bring in more social media, um, do uh, a little bit of live streaming, that kind of thing, just to uh, bring awareness to the whole uh, event. 
there's going to be some entertainment going on. I heard talk of stilt walkers and costumed players and people from Star Wars as well. And Yeah, we're talking with uh, the guys at uh, one of the big uh, costuming groups who do a lot for charity. Uh, they're called the Joker Squad and they go to a lot of different events and they help raise money for charities by dressing up in Star Wars outfits uh, and they're pretty authentic to, to what you see in the movies. I mean, these guys spend a lot of time and effort getting these costumes together and just have fun whilst they're doing it. Some of the people from Area 51, it's really bizarre what they do. They're in, they're in costume. Barbarella type. Yeah, they do that kind of stuff. They're sort of like giant astromech things that they have walking around and uh, getting the, the feel of the whole uh, essence of uh, sci-fi and space and things like that. Silent Grey What's your involvement with this? What, what brought you on board for Yuri's Night? Um, I was asked by um, Loretta Whiteside, sort of one of the, the founders of the event, if I fancied taking on the challenge of trying to get something going in the UK. I said yes, and then she um, posted a Facebook post to try and enlist some help. And I think, Mark, your name was put forward by... By Ryan Cobrick, who is the current chairman of Yuri's Night. He uh, contacted me uh, a little while ago because... Well, I actually mentioned to him that I was thinking of doing a Yuri's Night event in the UK and some ideas that I'd had for it. And uh, it went quiet for a little while and then this message popped up that Loretta was trying to get a team of people together to uh, make a, a Yuri's Night event here. And my name was then flagged up by Ryan. So uh, rest is history, as I say. <laughs> but this is something, Alan, you've, you've wanted to do for a while, is it? Or is it, uh, was uh, it yeah, a well, new um, concept? Well, I, I attended Yuri's Night last year in Los Angeles. Okay. Um, so that was the first one for me. And I didn't even know it existed prior to that. Um, but space flight is something that I'm passionate about at the moment. Is it something you're hoping to do in the future? Uh, well, I have actually got a ticket with um, Virgin Galactic. Yeah. yeah. Wow. So hopefully I'll... Uh, so the rollout of that new craft the other day. Yeah, that was uh, massively exciting for, for all of the future astronaut community. Brilliant. So you're going to be an astronaut? Mm. Yes. Wow. <laughs> We're in the presence of somebody who's actually going to go there. <laughs> That's fantastic. Brilliant. You want people to come to uh, Yuri's Night here at the Space Centre in Leicester. Yep. Um, give us the date again and uh, website details, contact details, all that kind of stuff as they are at the moment. Well, as it stands, it's on the 9th of April. We have got a Facebook events page, which is the Yuri's Night UK at NSC. If you type that into Facebook, it'll come up with a page. And any details that we have to change, i.e. with the ticket prices and uh, when they're going to be available from, that's where you'll be able to find it. Yeah, the website, yurisnight.org.uk. Yurisnight.org.uk is the one to watch. Yeah. Uh, so that's what you need to look out for for updates. Thank you very much to Alan Gray and Mark Taylor. Uh, it's been uh, an extraordinary visit to the Space Centre today. Great to meet you both. And uh, hopefully I'm looking forward to the day, to the actual event, because I'm going to be here recording and uh, chatting to people throughout the evening as well. It's going to be a blast. into the potosphere with TGP Nominal. So, shall we talk a little bit about Star Wars? I don't know why we'd want to. 
<laughs> They've pushed back the new Star Wars movie. It was supposed to be May of 2017. Mm-hmm. It's going to now be December, December of 2017. Yeah. And at first people were like, what the hell? Come on, go back. Keep it to May where it used to be. Everyone was happy. I've heard a couple of different stories as to why they did this. But the one definitely says that they're trying to redo the script. One of them says that it's because, oh, well, it did so well in December this time. Look, I don't care when The Force Awakens was released. It would have been a massive hit regardless. Mm -hmm. The fact that it was released in December has nothing to do with it. But supposedly, Disney and the toy companies were so blown back by the fact that people were identifying with Rey. They actually expected people to identify with Kylo Ren. Really? Yeah. Well, well, think about it. People really latched onto Darth Vader when he first came out. Mm-hmm. He's the bad guy, but he was unlike any bad guy we had ever seen before. And they were kind of thinking that would be the same thing with Kylo Ren. And then all of a sudden, everybody's going out saying, no, we identify with Rey and with Finn. We don't care about Kylo. Rey and Finn are two amazing characters. We want that. And apparently, one of the rumors behind why it got pushed back was because they were so blown away by the fact that people latched onto Rey and Finn so much that they have to rewrite the story to allow more of Ray and Finn into it. All right. Because they just were going on saying, oh, it's going to be Kylo Ren, Kylo Ren, Kylo Ren. You know, because if you look, there are a lot of things that Ray wasn't even included when it comes to the toy line. Yeah, I heard about that with the Monopoly set. The Monopoly set, yeah. uh, the Millennium Falcon Lego set, I, th- I think it was the Lego set, mm-hmm. it didn't have Ray in it, even though she's now the pilot. She is now. You know, and she was just taken out of it. And the problem is there's precedent to that, unfortunately. Like uh, with the second Avengers movie, one of the, the awesome scenes was Black Widow dropping out of the bottom of the airplane on her motorcycle. Yeah, and there was well, no... They had the motorcycle, but she wasn't part of it on, on the toy set. It's like, what? That was her scene. What are you doing? So they were kind of blown back by the fact that people were attaching to Ray and Finn so much and just be like, eh, Kylo's all right. And you notice some of the other characters that have been in it that weren't really supposed to be big characters, like the uh, the Stormtrooper with the, the baton, who called... Yeah, Finn a traitor. Yes, he now he's got his own phone. name, Traitor. traitor. Uh, yeah. And <laughs> he's beginning to be a bit of a cult character. Yep. <laughs> but it's like nobody's really attaching to Kylo Ren, <laughs> which is what they didn't expect. I, I think they've just seen him for being a real spoiled brat, really. He's, you know, doesn't yeah. get what he wants, so he starts smashing everything up. Well, it's not even that, but, I mean, with Darth Vader, here's this amazing guy, all in black, cape. It's like, who is he? You know what? What is what is his story? Why is he like this? What this is? This guy's night. We like this. With Kylo Ren, they tell you exactly who he is right in the movie. Yeah, there's no mystique behind him. The fact that um, you know he takes the mask off and everything. It's uh, yeah. yeah I, I, I know Vader did when he was in his meditation chamber, but um, that just that was just a tease. It's just mm. like, oh my god, there really is a human in there. <laughs> you know, so th- with Vader, it was just there was so much mystery behind him, and it was so cool. That's why people latched onto him, but. Kylo Ren, they tell you exactly who he is. They give you a general insight as to what happened to him. It's like there's no mystery behind him. But yet there's true. still a ton of mystery behind Finn. There's a ton of mystery behind Ray. Yeah. You know, it's just they apparently just weren't ready for it. Weird. It's almost like that early bird set, isn't it? You know, here's an empty box, you'll get the figures later. It's uh, Yeah. And um what what you were saying there about um, you know, the way people have latched on to, to write the, mm-hmm. the amount of young girls that I've seen on Facebook 
in homemade Ray oh, yeah. outfits. And we're, we're talking, you know, very young girls. And, you know, to get that kind of response from the young kids is great because she is a great role model. She is yep. a brilliant, uh, independent woman. And, and they needed that. They really did need that. And uh, it's done wonders for the franchise, I think. Oh, yeah. I mean, it, it was a brilliant move. And same thing, you know, I, I think back to all those people, like, you can't have a black stormtrooper. Why not? John Boyega did a great job. And, and if you ever see him in, like, other interviews and so forth, are you kidding? I would love to sit down with him and then just geek out. Because <laughs> he's just as much of a fan. Have, have you seen the movie Attack the Block? No. <laughs> That's probably the film that uh, launched his career, actually. Uh, it's um, written by the people who did Shaun of the Dead. Uh, <laughs> nice. uh, it's got Nick Frost in it as well, uh, nice. and it, it's about these kids off of a housing estate in uh, in in urban London. And um, John Boyega's character is the leader of this gang, and for some reason, these aliens have invaded London, <laughs> and they are, okay. and uh, it's him and his group of kids are there to fend off these. <laughs> <laughs> these aliens. It's, I'm it's have really to look for that one. It's really quite good. Uh, there's some really good extras on there as well, which you expect from those kind of people because Edgar Wright, he always mm-hmm. makes sure that there is a lot of extras on the, the DVD or the Blu-ray because he, he looks after the fans. He does look after the fans. I do like Edgar Wright as a director. Cool. I will have to put that on my list. But yeah, that was John Boyega's first proper movie. When I saw him in that and then I they said, oh, we've cast him in Star Wars. And I thought, yeah, he came across as quite a good leader in Attack the Block. And uh, I thought, yeah, that's probably good casting, actually, <laughs> for his first film. And his leadership skills kind of came out, although they didn't so much in the uh, the Star Wars one. It kind of took a bit of time for him to, mm-hmm. to come out of himself because, well, he had a lot of things that he had to um, come to terms with, really. Yeah. No, he did a great job. And Daisy Ridley is just amazing. Yes, yeah, she is. I mean, I, I'd never heard of her before. No, neither did I. Um, she, she has been in a few things, but um, what they did this time, like they did in the original, was, you know, pretty much get unknown actors yeah. to be the main characters. And, yeah. It worked. Yeah, it worked then, it worked now. Let's hope it stays like that, that uh, they can keep that... Magic, I don't think they'll have going. a problem with that. I mean, the, the the Force Awakens is ready to cross the two billion dollar mark globally. Mm-hmm. So, and I still might see it a third time. <laughs> and once it comes out on disc, oh well, or did or you know whatever streaming or whatever, uh, yeah, they're gonna they they made their money back. Oh yeah, definitely. And I just hope that now that Disney have got it, they still keep the. The, the class that they had on the uh, the the other discs uh, because the the extras on the Star Wars movies have been brilliant. It really has been good. I mean the diaries and that kind of thing and uh, you know the production diaries and stuff. I love all that. JJ Abrams seems to be big on that too. So I don't think that that'll be a problem. But you know it is a problem that we still don't have our original trilogy remastered without the uh, special edition stuff released on Blu-ray. Disney, get on it. I'd love to know what the holdup is for that. I can't believe that they don't think they'll make money off of that. They'll make stupid amounts of money done on yeah, that. Yeah, but they don't have the rights on that, do they? They do. I they, thought they Fox still had no, no, the no, rights. No, 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 no. Fox only has distribution rights to the first one. Oh, right. To the original Star Wars. 
but Disney owns all of the rights to the other five. So all they have to do is talk with Fox and say, look, let's just work out a deal with this. How much do you want to allow us to include the original Star Wars as part of this? And for Fox, it's just a matter of licensing it to them. They just have to sit back and, and let the money roll in. And, and 90% of the work was done when Lucas made the special edition. He remastered everything, except for like 10% of the movies. And you can't tell me that they can't get that 10% from some other sources. Yeah, I'd have thought they could. Yeah, so it's like, what are you guys waiting for? There was a real bunch of hope that... <laughs> there was a new hope that they would have released it just prior to The Force Awakens just to try to, you know, rekindle everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, nothing. It's just, what are you guys waiting for? I'm, I'm sorry, but including the original crappy 4x3 formatted laser disc image on the Blu-ray, that's not going to cut it. I remember when the, the special editions came out and I, I actually went to see Star Wars special edition at the cinema because I missed Star Wars at the cinema when it came out originally mainly because I wasn't old enough I was, what? I was I was seven my dad took me to see it and I loved it I was four so <laughs> I'm older than you god damn it alright <laughs> yeah so fair enough <laughs> but see, so I saw them in the wrong order <laughs> And that's probably why The Empire Strikes Back is my favorite Star Wars film. Well, no, I mean, the fans have said pretty much that that Empire Strikes Back is the best of the original trilogy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, that's mainly for me, it's because it's the first one I saw on the big screen. There's a lot of hints about different things that are happening in the future. Obviously, as you know, they've started um, filming uh, episode eight. Yep. Um, and there was a, a big thing about saying, yes, we've we've finished the first day of shooting. Mm-hmm. There's that kind of very bizarre teaser <laughs> thing. That was kind of weird. But, <laughs> so it's yeah. kind of the, the end of episode seven with welcome to episode eight. Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty clear that it's just going to start right from there. Mm-hmm. You know, after the scrawl, they're probably just going to go back down to that island area and, and start it up. They did just get uh, Benicio del Toro and Laura Dern on board for that too. Yeah, um, it's a bit difficult to work out uh, the kind of character that Laura Dern would probably play. There's a lot of hinting that she's she's going to be a bad uh, person in it, but uh, yeah. um, there's also uh, another girl on there, a girl called Kelly Marie Tran, and she's virtually unknown. Yes. Virtually, yes, I, I just read that today too. And she's been in uh, a couple of episodes of uh, about a boy, the, the TV show version of the movie. And she's not really that known. But then again, yeah. Daisy Ridley, <laughs> she wasn't that yeah, well known no, either. So, well, I know that that uh, she was also in several uh, several pieces that were done on CollegeHumor.com. Mm-hmm. So it, it looks that kind of leans toward her role being more of a comedic role, but you know we'll see. Who knows where that's going to go? We've also had some stuff about uh, episode nine as well, haven't we? Um, uh, they're planning on shooting it on film rather than digital, so they're they're keeping it in line with the 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 other two films. Yeah. Well, I wouldn't be surprised if they're going to get their own IMAX screenings because yeah. this one, The Force Awakens, was IMAX exclusive for a month. 
It's actually still being shown in uh, IMAX uh, 70 right, millimeter. Right, but I mean, they, they contracted or they paid IMAX to say, hey, you will only show The Force Awakens in your theaters for a month. <laughs> so it wouldn't surprise me if they're going to do that with the next two movies too. Mm, the, the only place that you could watch it in 70 millimeter in in the UK was at the Science Museum in London. They had they normally yeah, had yeah, uh, their. Uh, Usual well, you know, IMAX. it's just like the whole um, the Hateful Eight, mm-hmm. and he did his seventy millimeter roadshow. They had to go back and find parts that were decades old, just in storage, just to get that whole seventy millimeter roadshow thing going, because nobody does seventy millimeter anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, and I understand the reasons. It's it's expensive. You know, it, it's a there's a process it has to go through. Whereas with digital, it's just like okay, I got my files. There you go. I get that, but you know. No, no. Whilst we're talking about IMAX and uh, Star Wars, um, what do you make of the uh, how you how are you pronouncing his surname? The the director of Episode Nine is it, is it Colin Trevorrow? Trevorrow, yes. Yeah, he, wanting to film parts of Episode Nine actually in space. I don't get it. Unless he's doing something where gravity goes out of whack, I don't get it. We have, we've got so much... Like, If he's looking for a, a proper space background, how many millions of images do we have from Hubble and so forth of all the star clusters that are up there? Mm-hmm. So he doesn't need it for, for any kind of actual star footage. He's not going to take pictures of our planet because then people are going to be like, excuse me, that's Earth. I, I have absolutely no reason why he would want to do this except to say that he did it. Yeah. I, I cannot think of anything that, that special effects or you know even really well done practical effects can't do that would require him to actually do filming up in space except just to wear it as a badge of honor. I just can't think of anything. Either something very intriguing or like you say, it's just something to say that I've done it. Uh, I mean, what is he going to do? Haul the actors up there? <laughs> you know, it's just... N- none of it makes sense. It, re- it really doesn't. And the cost of doing that, as opposed to having an effects house doing it... Uh, I'm, I'm trying to, to understand his mentality on this one. I just don't see it. Just you know, to- and we're space geeks, and... Can you see any reason for it? No, I can't really say. I mean, yes, maybe it might look a bit more authentic, but... Authentic for what? Authentically spacey. (laughs) But that's all I can say. That's all I can say. Yeah, I just... I I don't understand what he's trying to do with that. Nothing has been confirmed or denied by Lucasfilm or Disney, but they've been talking about some of the character names um, for Rogue One. Mm, That's true. It's going to be out... Is it the end of this year, I think? Yeah, uh, in December this year. So, you know, you've got great names out there, like Han Solo Mm -hmm. um, and Kylo Ren and great, great names like that. But apparently... Uh, Felicity Jones, who's one of the big characters in in the movie, once again, a one-name name. name. Uh, Her name's going to be Jin, J-Y-N. And uh, her character's code name is Seal Leader Green. Seal being the code name for the rebel characters in the movie. Mm -hmm. Mads Mikkelsen's character being called Galen. And uh, Riz Ahmed's character being called Bodhi Rook. 
so you know they're coming out with a few names already which they kind of did with uh, episode 7 you had you, you had Kylo Ren you had uh, Ray, and, and you had Finn and that's how, all you had to go on at the time and they're doing ex- exactly the same thing with these I think also through Jedi News uh, they've been reporting that they've that Star Wars licensees have been saying that there's going to be another Force Friday events this year um, in September September the 30th uh, where all the stores will be selling the Rogue One merchandise just in time for the movie to come out at the end of the year (laughs) I'm not surprised by this at all so yeah so that's a a date to keep in your diary folks September the 30th for Force Friday well the real question though is since we're going to have a lead female character, at least part of the ensemble, is she also going to be included in part of the toys that are going to be released, or is Hasbro going to screw up again? I think they may have learned their lesson on I this one. I hope so. <laughs> I really do. Between that and their screw-up with uh, Age of Ultron, mm-hmm. and um, not to have Black Widow's motorcycle bit, yeah, that was another one, and yeah, they need to knock this stuff off. That's it. It's um, I can't see why they they do that in this day and age because, uh, you know, to to say that boys wouldn't be interested in playing with um, uh, female action figures. I mean, she's part of the ensemble. Why would boys even care? And even at that, why would you want to? not give girls the ability to play with those Ex- as well. Exactly. They are technically dolls. Exactly. And at the end of the day, when the kids are playing with these things, they're not looking at it as, oh, this is someone from the opposite sex. No. This is some character in a movie that they want They want to have the full thing. They want to have every character so that they can play out these Scenes. I know. I know. We did when we were kids. So <laughs> I had Princess Leia action. You know, the little Princess Leia uh, Kenner dolls back in the 1970s and 1980s. Yeah, yeah, I had, and I didn't care that it was Princess Leia. I had um, the one where I had the the traditional Leia with the with the buns, uh-huh. um, and I had the uh, the bouncy hunter costume that she had for rescuing Han because I I just like the idea that you've got one character but you take the helmet off you've got another character I liked that idea the same with the uh, Lando Calrissian um, Mm -hmm. skiff guard uh, outfit I I like the idea you had two characters in one really oh uh, and uh, was it the last show you were talking about um, a possible release date for The Force Awakens on disc in April in April yeah yeah, I saw that rumor too, and then Amazon quickly pulled it. Ah. So, and then what What Amazon did have out there didn't have a whole lot of information to it. So we're kind of wondering if that was just, like, quick speculation. So we're not quite sure. Trying to get a confirmation on that one. Yeah, it's a bit hit and miss, isn't it? Um, that, that's around really it. close to the release window, though. Considering that it's still doing big business at the, at the box office cross two billion dollars mm-hmm. unless they're doing it getting out as soon as possible because people want to buy it and see it again that quickly that's a possibility it's it's all already available uh, for pre-order on the um sky movies on demand thing yeah best buy had that too you could pre-order the disc and you already get it digital with it mm-hmm. it's like eh, whatever i'm a i'm a physical disc kind of guy for the most part yeah me too 
we have the BAFTAs, uh, which is the um, the UK equivalent of the Oscars, and Star Wars Episode Seven won the BAFTA for special effects, and there was a special award for Rising Stars, which is voted from the British public, and uh, was presented to John Boyega. Nice. Now, one, 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 one of the awards that they've been nominated for is... Um, Editing and the, the two people that have been doing the editing for episode seven, uh, who are Mary Mary Jo Markey and Marianne Brandon, both received their first ever nominations. So that's that's really cool. Uh, apparently, there's a, a deleted scene um, that they re- revealed that involved Captain Phasma ordering ships to take off, presumably in response to the resistance attack on Starkiller Base. They explained that the scene had to be cut due to it taking place after Phasma's encounter with Han, Finn and Chewbacca who put her in the trash compactor. Right, <laughs> so that's they, true. They had to cut A little it bit of a continuity problem there. Okay, <laughs> here, uh, she did confirm uh, on the red carpet that she is going to be in the next movie. Covered in trash. Well, maybe, you know. That would be funny. <laughs> uh, the second scene is one that appeared in in the novelization, but was unclear if it had been shot for the movie. Uh, this scene was about to take place at uh, Maz Kanata's castle after Finn leaves, and, and it would have involved uh, Ankar Plutt, you know, the, um, the, the, the Junker boss, reappearing and confronting Ray about the theft of the Millennium Falcon. <laughs> Uh, there, there is a lot of speculation going out there that he's a lot more than he seems. But listen to this. Apparently, Chewbacca would have ultimately intervened and ripped off his arm. Ooh. But Brandon explains that the scene conflicted with the emotion of the sequence, and so it was cut from the movie. Yeah, I can see that. But that would have been an awesome piece. <laughs> Yeah, but then, that, that, like I said, that would have been a big mystery of where did he come from? <laughs> what does he have to do with this? There, there's a lot of speculation around that he's kind of responsible for the whole her being left there. Mm-hmm. Or that he is somehow linked directly with that. So, yeah, well, I guess we'll find out in one of the next two movies. I'm hoping these scenes are going to be included in the bonus features on... <laughs> <laughs> on the Force Awakens. Uh, maybe. Maybe. So that'll be interesting to, to see. Disney CEO Bob Iger has confirmed that the construction of Star Wars Land theme parks is expected to begin later this year. Have you seen that new BB-8 toy that's coming out? Uh, define new BB-8 toy. Uh, try a bigger version of the Spheros remote control. Oh, that was that was inevitable because when you look at that, and it's adorable that it works, it's fantastic, but it's this little teeny tiny thing. It's only a few inches tall, and it's 150 bucks. Mm-hmm. What? This one uh, will be released on Force Friday, and it was at the New York Toy Fair, and it's made by a company called Spin Master. It's not actually being made oh, by, by Sphero. It's much closer to life-size pre- than previous versions, standing at 19 inches tall. Oh, wow. Includes a remote control comparable to a Nintendo um, remote uh, with a joystick on there to control it. But the remote is not absolutely necessary thanks to the fact that BB-8 is voice activated. Uh, BB-8 will respond when he hears his name, come when he's called, and will even follow you around when commanded to do so. That is not going to be cheap. It will also uh, include electronic lights and sounds to match the on-screen counterpart. Although 
although Spin Master is ready to unveil the BB-8, they're not ready to sell it yet. The toy won't hit the shelves until the autumn, and is reported to cost $180. What? Wait a minute. Really? That's what it says here. <laughs> that seems very cheap. Okay, Sphero's version, they were the first to do this, so yeah, a lot of people are going to get caught up in that. They could, they could have charged whatever they wanted. Yeah. And they're actually, now that I think about it, there was another version that was bigger but more basic, and it had a separate control. I think it was an exclusive at Target over here. Okay, yeah. And it was significantly cheaper as well. But, again, it was significantly cheaper for a reason. So, yeah, it could very well be that just, just because Spheros was expensive was because theirs was the first of their kind. And they knew that they could get away with that. So I guess it wouldn't surprise me too much that someone else could be doing that. When you can have a virtual reality headset just by getting a Google Cardboard thing and cutting out a box, I guess it's not too difficult to to have stuff like uh, it can identify who you are and mm-hmm. it can follow you. Yeah. And voice direction. Yeah. Uh, okay. I still don't think it's going to be 180. Yeah, that's probably what they're stating at the moment. But you know these things, they always change, don't they? Sure, sure. I, it's, I guess it's not going to be as expensive, because I was thinking it was going to be like 800 bucks. I'll put my bet. Final MSRP is going to be about 250 Yeah, I think it probably that's, that's a good price, I think. But, yeah, 180 just seems too cheap. Um, I don't know if you remember, we, on our previous show, we, I, I spoke to you about um, the, the bit in The Force Awakens when Maz ushers Ray into that, uh, what would you call it, a cellar where the, all, yeah. the, all the goodies are, basically, mm-hmm. where she has those visions, as it yep. were. And I said to you that um, they had different people talking to her at the time. I said that they managed to use not only Ewan McGregor's voice, but um, Alec Guinness's voice mm-hmm. to, to talk to her. Well, it's actually been confirmed. I did read that. Um, Ewan McGregor actually went on to... He was on Jimmy Kimmel recently. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he, he actually spoke about it on there. I'll just play a bit in. Most people, by the way, don't know that you are... I learned this today. I didn't realize this, that you're in... Ex-heroin addict. <laughs> In the new Star Wars movie. Yes. Which. Yes. How many people have seen it? Now, how many of you remember seeing you in in the movie? Okay, now you. uh, They just really gave themselves away. They're lying, yeah, you're lying. (laughs) Uh, because you, you're a voice in the movie. Yes, I recorded a line for it. It was it was very late in the day. I'd been waiting for the call to come for two years. Oh, know? really? <laughs> like, I, I, maybe they've lost my agent's phone number or something. <laughs> and then uh, I got a call very, very just shortly before it was released by JJ, and he, he asked me to come in. He said, I'd love you to be a part of it and love you to be in it. And... Um, and there's a sequence where we can use a voice, like we hear Obi-Wan Kenobi's voice coming from the distant reaches of the Force, or wherever it does oh, come yes. from. Oh, yes, I know, okay. And, um, and so I, I, I was like, yeah, I would love to be in it. I've just been waiting for your call. And um, I went in, and I, I, I was able to see some of it before anybody else had seen it, and I was very impressed. And, and uh, yes, I recorded a line for it. And they did a melding of yes. your voice and Alec Guinness's yes. voice. Yes, the line is Ray... Ray... I've got to try and channel him again. Yeah. Hey, these are your first steps. These are your first steps. But they used, they got Alec Guinness to do Ray, which is extraordinary because he's not alive anymore. But they found. <laughs> JJ is really impressive. Yeah. 
Amazing what they can do these days. But they found, uh, they got a line of him as, Alec, as Obi-Wan Kenobi saying afraid. And then they just cut the A and the D off it and they got the Ray. And then they used that. So Alec Guinness is saying Ray. And then I say these are your first steps. And that's pretty great. Yeah. And when I saw it the second time, I was listening to that. I was like, yeah, I hear it. Very, very clever uh, to, to actually think. Uh, have we got anything that Alec Guinness said that sounded remotely like Ray? And they've probably gone through the whole lot. <laughs> yep, we can use it. You know this what? Bit. There are probably people out there who could have said, yeah, I could tell you exactly what scene that was from. <laughs> yeah. I, I wouldn't surprise me. I, yeah. I, I probably know people that could probably do that. I mean, I can't imagine <laughs> that he said afraid very often in any of the three movies. I'm trying to think. I'd imagine it was in the, in the first Star Wars, I would have thought. It might have been something to do with the Tusken Raiders. I said they're easily frightened. Oh, uh, yeah, he said but, frightened there, didn't he? Yeah. Hmm. But they'll soon be back, and in greater numbers. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you remember the original movie? Yeah. And they're in Moss Eisley. Uh-huh. And so Ben Kenobi's going around try- trying to find somebody to uh, get them out of there, get them over to Alderaan. Mm-hmm. He talks with one guy who just very briefly is, you know, he, he's talking to him, and the guy's just kind of like, no, can't do it, points back to Chewbacca and walks away. Yeah, I remember that scene, yeah. Mm-hmm. He's gone uncredited ever since, you know, since we're talking about almost 40 years now. Yeah. He has gone uncredited. He's even had some of the action figures made for his character. And uh, they finally found out who he is. Oh, wow. So for this all this time, it's, he's been... All this time, he's been uncredited. <sighs> yeah. Even though you figure, when you think about it, he kind of is a major hinge because he's like, no, I can't do it. Talk to this furry guy behind me. And then the rest is history. Yeah, so a guy by the name of, oh, where is it here? Billy Jensen, did, he just made this his goal. He was at the Anaheim Convention Center, and, and there was uh, something going on with Star Wars. And the, uh, Tom Spina, I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly, but he's a designer who recently created the cantina scene for a Volkswagen commercial. Okay, yeah. And a guy by the name of Pablo Hidalgo, who he was, he was creative executive at Lucasfilm. And they, had, they were talking about this guy. They had no idea who he was. Billy Jensen figured, well, if they don't know, somebody must know. And he went on this big crusade to try to find out who this guy is. And he actually was able to find uh, other roles that he did. Again, uncredited. He was really kind of distinctive, too, because he's got these really long sideburns, you yeah. know, uh, often referred to as mutton chops. Yep. Yeah, that's a distinctive kind of 1970s yep. <laughs> look. <laughs> and he just kept going and kept looking, and he finally ended up just saying, oh, this is ridiculous. I'm just going to make uh, one last Hail Mary pass, as we'd call it here. And he posted a uh, thread on two websites, one called BritMovie.co, which I think might be BritMovie.com, and RebelScum.com. Yeah, I know, I know, <laughs> I know Rebel Scum. <laughs> I figured you would. <laughs> it was like, does anybody know anything about this? And finally, just the other day, somebody responded and said, yes, that was my grandfather. Oh, wow. As a family, we have always known that he played the part. However, we have only just found out that they made a toy of him. And that guy passed along information to his mom, who would be this guy's daughter. And she said, yes, you know, we've known that he's always played the part of the character. His name is Boshek. So the guy's name was, uh, I guess it would be Basil Tomlin. Over here we'd say Basil, but, you know, if you've seen Faulty Towers, you know it's Basil. 
<laughs> or if you want to be common, put Barry. But um... yeah, you know, actually, it's funny. This his friends called him Tom. Okay, but and she provided just a regular photo of him. You know, just a regular like portrait of him, and uh, no question, it's him. Basil Tomlin is the guy who passed up on the opportunity and handed Obi-Wan Kenobi over to Chewbacca. And you think about it, that could have all changed. I mean, he could have been the Han Solo because if he had turned around and said, yeah, I can take you. Yeah. <laughs> There's also, somebody also pointed out that, uh, once again, those those mutton chops kind of made it exactly who it was. He was also a stormtrooper. A so lot if you look at the behind-the-scenes featurette that was made back in the 70s, Mm-hmm. There's a scene where he's putting on a stormtrooper helmet, getting all outfitted up, and you can't miss those sideburns. So after 40 years, we finally have uh, Boshek, his character, and uh, played by Basil Tomlin. It's funny, because a, a lot of people that were in those films did play multiple roles. Mm-hmm. And even in Episode 7, people play multiple roles as well. When I was talking to Alan Fling at... Uh, Wickham Comic Con uh, last year he was telling me that um, he got his part as a um, a deck officer it was in what was it in it was in Return of the Jedi and the only reason he got the part was because they they cast somebody they didn't ask the guy to speak and it wasn't until they actually made the uniform for him and everything else that they found out that this guy had a very serious stammer so he couldn't actually do the the role Uh, and they needed somebody there and then and um, they said to Alan oh you look like you're the same size as him try this uniform on and he actually got the role as one of the deck officers in the movie just because he just happened to be there at the time and it was a speaking role? yeah Huh. I can't remember what his line now was. It was one of the ones where, um, was it Return of the Jedi or was it Empires, where the two Star Destroyers kind of went into each other. That must have been Empires. That that was Empire, yeah, as they were coming out of the asteroid field. Yeah, yeah, he was. He, he said some line, I think it was something like a, about a, deflect, a deflector or something like that. Mm-hmm. So nice. he played that role and he played a stormtrooper in the uh, carbon freezing ah, yes. section and he's known as the orange stormtrooper because in ev- there's a, always there's a <laughs> shot where um, there's a still like that you see you see it everywhere where the reflection is all off orange uh, f- from the the set and it makes his uniform look or his armor look orange and it, they use that shot a hell of a lot on, on stills. Um, so he's known as the Orange Stormtrooper. But he was telling me some really interesting stuff about that. It was so dangerous, that set. Very, very Really? Yeah, they couldn't see anything out of those. That's true. And um, because of the camera crews, they couldn't go up the normal steps. So they were actually going up a, a proper step ladder uh, in full armor, but they couldn't actually see anything. Oof. And one guy actually fell off the ladder... And it was about a 30 feet drop I think they said it was uh, and he landed on the deck and it was actually his armour that saved his life hmm well I mean good for him in that case but wow so yeah and he said the other uh, scene that was really unbearable was Hoth in the actual rebel base mm-hmm. what you're seeing on the walls wasn't snow and ice it was no, salt no. what 
that was really? salt. Yeah. And he said that salt was getting in the joints of the of the stormtrooper outfits. And he said when when we took the outfits off, our, our joints were all red raw. Wow. <laughs> See, that I would not have expected. And he said it wasn't cold down there. It was extremely hot. Huh. <laughs> yeah. I figured those walls were just like formed polystyrene foam of some kind. No, that was salt. It was carved salt. Really? Yeah. So you can imagine what it's like getting salt, salt into uh, into your joints and stuff on the on the uniforms. Of course, sure. that, that's causing sores and things. And of course, salt gets onto sores and things. That just makes it even worse. Uh, he said it was agonizing for most of the people who were playing stormtroopers. But the money was good. <laughs> oh, I'm sure the money was good. <laughs> well, plus, you know, salt being a... Uh, like a drying agent as well. Yeah. Ugh. It was pretty unbearable. Uh, wow, but, yeah, I can uh, imagine. Because um, the reason why they couldn't see out of the Stormtrooper outfits was they could at first because they had uh, they, they were basically made out of sun, sunglasses, kind of mm-hmm. plastic, but they were too shiny. So um, somebody had to go and take all the helmets, take all the lenses out of them and, and sand them down so that they weren't <gasps> reflective anymore. And that's the reason why they couldn't see out of them. They couldn't have just applied, like, a spray matte finish to it. <laughs> a clear matte spray. No, they sanded oh. them down. And you, you said, you, they'd, never, they'd never get away with that now. Oh, no, absolutely not. <laughs> the unions would have been like, wow. Well, I haven't looked into it. I heard that there's there's now a lawsuit going on with the Force Awakens producers because Harrison Ford got injured? Yeah. What's that all about? It's to do with the, um, you know, when he, uh, the hydraulics caught his leg in the Falcon. Mm -hmm. The company that actually produced that part of the the set because they um, they kind of franchised different bits out so there was different companies doing different sets um, and they they were basically found of of negligence so um, yeah so they were taken to court. What I saw was that they were going after the producers for the Force Awakens, mm-hmm. not so much whoever they whoever that company was that that did that set. But Maybe it, just as proxy? I don't know. Because there's so, so many independent people taking, uh, companies taking part. It's, it's not like it used to be, where it used to be, you had one team doing, that's it, you had people building sets, you had people doing electric, you had people doing this. Now you've got all different companies all tendering for, for this, yeah. for, the, for these sets. Yeah, so it's not Bad Robot or anybody like that getting uh, any grief from that. It's the independent companies. Because the one thing that I saw, they, they were saying Saying the producers, well, that is bad robots. Like, yeah, you know. <laughs> and I think the company that are being sued are actually going to counteract that by suing the hydraulics company. Well, I mean that is kind of how that works anyway. <laughs> <laughs> it's it, yeah, it's a it's a different game now than it used to be. <laughs> It is interesting talking to these guys, though, and I, I, I never thought I would be talking to these guys. And, to, I mean, two of them I, I, I met at uh, the Comic-Con at Wickham. I met the guy who was responsible for the, the R2 units back in the day, and he's now more into pyrotechnics and stuff now. Uh, he was working on uh, Enemy at the Gates and movies like that. Hmm. And then meeting Brian Muir, who designed Darth Vader's helmet. <laughs> I mean, you can't get any more iconic than that. Nope. He did have some involvement in the uh, the space jockey from the Alien movie. Mm-hmm. He had some involvement in, in building that as well. So he's, he's done some really interesting work. And I said, how did you get into this work? And he said, 
I came out of school and I went straight into it. <laughs> so he's done it since the age of 16. Fair enough. So... And I said, what an interesting life you must have had. That's amazing stuff. So, yeah, I'm hoping I can get a, a bit more stuff like that this year. The the only one I know I definitely am going to try and get to speak to, but I know he's going to be pretty busy at, at the event because he's going to be at uh, Wickham Comic Con this year is Dave Browse. Nice. Uh, if I can get to speak to him, that would be amazing. I, I have seen him before at another Comic Con. It wasn't a Comic Con, it was at Empire Day 4, uh, one of uh, the Star Wars things. And that was probably my first Star Wars convention. And I was amazed at the people that I saw there. Um, Peter Mayhew and Kenny Baker were there. Nice. So that, that was my, my first Star Wars convention and probably three of the main ones that you want to get to see from the British side of, of Star Wars anyway apart from possibly Anthony Daniels but uh, you, you'll hardly see Anthony Daniels and Kenny Baker together these days because yeah they, I heard they don't like each other <laughs> oh well but uh, and it's a shame really with Dave Prowse that he doesn't get him uh, you know he's not included or hasn't been included in a lot of the Star Wars events over the years um, yeah but uh, I mean in fairness he kind of did that to himself yeah he did a bit but I'm, I'm thinking that he, he might be involved a bit more now that George Lucas isn't involved anymore yeah that's possible I hope it hope it does because his health isn't exactly brilliant at the minute and um, that's what kind of freaked me out a little bit in The Force Awakens because we all know that Peter Mayhew walks around with a walking stick yep. and then seeing Chewbacca climbing up ladders and stuff <laughs> Well, I know it's there a wasn't a guy who did Chewbacca as but well. But I, I think, no, no, that can't be Peter Mayhew. <laughs> no, he, he admitted that there was another guy who was also playing Chewbacca at certain parts, and that was probably it. Yeah. <laughs> Spanhead Productions are a small, independent sound recording company based in rural Hertfordshire. We specialize in creating content for all your podcasting needs, whether it be field recordings, fox pops, or capturing the atmosphere during social events. Editing is a very time-consuming job, so Spanhead Productions are on hand to take away some of the burden for you. Just advise us on how you'd like your content to sound, and we will do the rest. We can even help you design and manage a website for your podcast, too. Visit us now, spanheadproductions.weebly.com. That's spanheadproductions.weebly.com. I think we should start wrapping things up. I think we should. Yeah. So we will be back with you next month and uh, we'll be talking to you about space and what's going on out there. There is a lot going on at the moment. There, mm-hmm. there, there always is a lot going on. And uh, basically, thanks for everyone for listening in. Once again, John, thanks for joining me tonight. Thank you for having me. Toodles! Go see Deadpool. Well, that about wraps it up for this episode of TGP Nominal. Be sure to visit www.tgpnominal.weebly.com for the show notes for this or any other episode. Just look for the relevant tab on the menu. Let us know what you think of the show. Send an email to garbagepod at virginmedia.com. Because your input is our output. Or you can use the social media icons at the top of the page that include Twitter and Facebook. If you would like to subscribe to any of our podcasts, you can do so via iTunes, 
the RSS feed, and also TuneIn and Stitcher On Demand Radio. You can find a link on our podcast pages. Don't forget to rate and review us. If you like what we're doing here, then why not buy us a pint by clicking on the donate button on any of the podcast pages, and don't forget to spread the word about us. Station, this is Houston ACR. Thank you. That concludes the event.